Brothers and sisters, saints and sinners, grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have your worship folder open to page 7 or watch the screens. We've got a scripture there, as always, that we'll meditate on. Growing up, I was one of those kids that was always worried about missing out. We had a big family, and it seemed like dinner time was always uh, full of stories from what had happened that day, and I was one of the younger kids, so the stories of the bigger kids were very intriguing to me. If I had to choose to leave the dinner table and got permission to go to the restroom in the half bath that was not far off the dining room, I would leave the door cracked open so I could hear the conversations and not miss out. I didn't like making a choice to have to leave. I remember one time, we were from Dallas, we came to Austin for a vacation to uh, my dad's sister's house where they had a swimming pool we're all swimming and having fun and someone said we're going to go to uncle's sporting goods store do you want to go and I was torn because do I want to go to the sporting goods store do I want to swim and it was a for me as a little boy it was a big decision I decided to stay and swim and my brother who's 18 months older 20 months older than me he went and they he got a free baseball glove I made a bad choice And I pitched a fit, I remember. (laughs) Choices. We don't like it when we're given big choices. And if you choose one, you're going to miss out on the other. And it feels that way the older you get as a Christian when you think about the choice to be in heaven or to be on earth. Now, the younger you are and the healthier you are and the more fun you're having, it's a no-brainer. I want to stay right here. And the fact is, since this is all we know, and even when you're sick, there's still some things that are precious to you on earth. It's hard to ever choose heaven because this is what we know. We think, just I just want to get better and stay here. As your life goes on and as trouble gets bigger, though, you get purified from thinking there's only a no-brainer one choice, and that's to stay here. And as more and more of your loved ones go to glory, you look forward to seeing them again, too, don't you? The Apostle Paul, in this little section of Philippians, is genuinely torn between the two. It's not a no-brainer for him to stay on earth. And frankly, his life had not been going all that well. In fact, he'd been making a huge impact. We glory in his stories in the book of Acts of him spreading the gospel. And he saw a lot of people's lives changed. I mean, radically changed, casting out demons, people going from depression and sorrow to joy and gladness and faith, people giving up their sins. He saw one town just heap all their occult books into a pile and burn them and all had the peace of grace and true faith and religion. And yet, he got stoned a lot. He had friends abandon him. He lived with an ongoing illness. And then he got arrested down in Jerusalem, had a harrowing ship ride, and ended up in jail in, in Rome. And he was there for at least four years or such. So around that, we don't, we're not exactly sure. But he, he wrote four letters. Well, he probably wrote more, but we have four of them that he wrote. We call them the prison letters. And this is one of them back to a people in Philippi in Macedonia, which is further to the east of where he is in Rome. And they were a church that he had started, and he loved them. And he tells them in chapter 1, 
I'm torn between two choices, whether to want to stay here on earth or go to heaven. And he was genuinely torn. I think that when we, we worry about choices, God just smiles real big because, like Romans 8 says, he works out everything for our good. He blesses every choice we make, even though we may be sad we didn't get the baseball glove. He's not sad. He knows he's blessing what choices we make. And he knows that he has the choice of when we go to heaven, so it's really not a choice at all. We dare never take that choice away from him. Of all the creatures and the animals on the planet, we're in the image of God, and yet we're the only ones that know that you could make your own choice to kill yourself. He says, don't make that choice. Let me make that choice. But even when he says, let me make that choice, we wonder which one we'd rather have. And we dicker back and forth depending on our situation. Like I said, when we're younger, we think, God, you better not take my life now. I got too much to live for. And when we're in a lot of sorrow and trouble and we're older, we say like my 92-year-old grandma, I don't know why I'm still here. So listen to Paul. And let's get spiritual insight about this choice that we feel like we're always in. And let's learn this one truth. In Christ, you can't lose. You can be at peace about all this. You cannot lose. I'll read it to you. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. What he's saying is if I go on trial before Caesar and I have to give testimony to what I'm all about, I'm going to tell him that I have been spreading a gospel, and yes, there have been riots, but I didn't cause them, but my message did. And he said, I just want to glorify Christ. And there's that famous line that we could all just adopt as our mantra, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. See, for Paul, it was genuinely an even match for him on the choices. Let's pick up the first one, the idea that he would not be killed by the, the Roman emperor, that he would get to go on living. What did he say was the reason why that was a pretty good choice? He said, because I will be able to have fruitful labor for others. In Christ, Paul had a reason to live that no one could take away. Because Christ had taught him that life is about serving and blessing other people. Christ had taught him that his circumstances were not what gave him the ability to bless people. Listen very carefully to what I just said. Christ had taught him 
that his circumstances are not what gave him the power to bless other people. He was in a very different circumstance than he ever thought he would be in. He once said to a group of Christians, I'm going to go to Rome and then go further to Spain. Well, he went to Rome all right, but it wasn't on a tourist visa. He was arrested and in chains and almost killed several times on the way, and he might get killed in Rome. He was hampered by being imprisoned in Rome. And if you read right above these passages right here, he says, while I'm in chains, I'm talking to every single palace guard that's chained to me about Christ. And now all of Caesar's household and everybody knows that that, that political religious prisoner, Paul, is here for the name of Christ. And he goes, I'm rejoicing because I have a mission field to the upper echelon of Roman society. Rather than looking at the glass half full and saying it's terrible that I can't just run around and be a missionary and visit all the synagogues and go in the open streets like I did in in Athens. Do you hear tones of your own life when God allows things to change for you, that you are actually shackled a little more than you were before? How you might say, if only I could go back to when I was more free, then I could really serve. It really gets on a very personal level sometimes in a family, like when the last child in your family learns how to tie their own shoes. And you think, they don't need me to do that for them anymore. Or like today, my wife's driving my son off to college. We got three days between graduation and off to college. And now your, your house is somewhat empty. A mom, moms more than dads, will feel like their reason for living is being taken away from them if their kids don't need them so much. When you walk into work and the boss says, we don't need your services anymore, male or female, it takes a big toll on your feeling, for reason, especially if you loved your job or it was your reason for getting up in the morning. Or your spouse, whom you live for, dies or says, I've found somebody else. It feels like your whole reason for living has been yanked away. If you're a kid and you think, my reason for living is to make the band, the marching band, it's to make the team and then you don't make it, you feel like other people have taken away my reason for living. Think of this thought. If you feel like you've lost your reason for living, you're living for the wrong reason. Because you're in Christ. And Jesus has, has established that your reason for living is to bless other people wherever circumstance you're in, in His name, to His glory, and He gets to decide whether you get arrested and taken to Rome, you don't make the team, you have to experience a divorce or anything else, those things that are outside of your control. Jesus says your reason cannot be taken away from you. So if you feel like you've lost your reason for living, you're living for the wrong reason. And what I want to do with Paul is to say, look at this man and recapture in repentance your reason for living is to be a blessing and a blossom wherever you are 
to serve however you can with love and humility and as much energy as you can muster, trusting that even the little things you do will live on beyond your lifetime. Now, just recently, we lost a very dear friend, a member of our church, Elaine Poldrack. She usually, if you're new around here, she usually came to second service and sat right up here. But if you're not new around here, you know you watched Elaine's life, right? And, and she touched you in different ways. Some of you were able to make it to her memorial service. Others were not. But in a lot of ways, Elaine, like Clint Rogus and Billy Connor and Buck Krauser and so many that we've lost in the last few years, a lot of ways Elaine taught us this lesson that you can still serve and you can't lose your reason for living. But she wasn't trying to teach us. She was just believing her reason for living hadn't changed. How many of you women would get a Valentine card from her? Could you just like put your hand up? You got this one? Mary got this one. I got to talk to Elaine Friday before she passed on Sunday night. And, she, and we, we had this beautiful hour together. It was a, a holy time for me. And I'm not going to tell you all of it, not because I don't want you to know about it. It's because you don't have time. <laughs> but one of the things she said was, she said this was the, she didn't know she was passing in three days. She wasn't that sick in her mind. But she said, this is the last year I was able to send that out. And she said, that's really hard for me. But it says, it says on the front, she's 80 years old, she has rheumatoid arthritis, respiratory failure, and she's, her skin is tearing with every time they do a, a transition from bed to chair. She's in a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort, and she's never going to get out of nursing care facility again. And she entitles it in February, Chapter 1. Happy Valentine's Day. And in the, in the, in the uh, top of the inside, it says, The Next Chapter, and then it says, the Queen of Hearts will be, is moved to the, the Bel Air establishment and soon will be moving to Taylor. Stay tuned for future chapters. You know what that brings to people who know Elaine when she sends this to them? It brings a sense of hope and joy in life, even when you know you've just got minutes, maybe months left, right? But it's also kind of cool that she made sure all this happened in the midst of all of her pain and discomfort and changes, right? There's a man that that bound her wounds, both arms and legs, who was lost spiritually, apparently still is. She asked me Friday that in that conversation, can you help me? I want to tell you what's going on in his life and give me some things to say to him to help him find peace in God again. I said, Elaine, he's binding your wounds, but you are binding his by talking to him about the wounds of his heart. Ron and Molly would come with others and have a Bible study at the nursing home with her so that she could be in the Word. But the reason she asked if they would do that is because there's two or three table mates that had been disenfranchised by churches. and They didn't have somebody coming to see them, and they didn't understand the gospel fully. And so she said, can we bring a connect group to the, to the, the retirement center? She had not lost her reason for living because she was living for the right reason. You cannot lose. In Christ, you cannot lose. If you're feeling like a loser, it's because you're, you're falling away from Christ. 
and I'm calling you back. Through all the changes in life, it's still, you still have a reason to smile and love and say, Jesus is there for all of us in any way that you can find. And now comes the very difficult part for me to preach to you because I personally still want to stay here longer. <laughs> but to die is gain. I love life, I love people, I love you too much to want to go. But to die is gain. Now Paul had spent a lot of time thinking about that and we kind of try not to a lot of times, right? In fact, some of you have not given it a terrible, a lot of thought about dying and going to heaven. And others of you have maybe thought about it even more than the Apostle Paul was. But I'm telling you that Paul had given it a lot of thought because he was having, he had a lot of threats on his life. He's in jail because people wanted to kill him. And, the, and, and Rome was very easy, they very easily put people to death, especially if they wanted to make a statement about a religion that was getting started. And he, he knew that death was not too far away. He, in fact, got out of this imprisonment, went on for a few more years, but they arrested him again and beheaded him. But he's thinking a lot about death, and this is what he says. Look again at verse, I think it's 21. Let me get my glasses on. He says, if I go on living in the body, that's 22. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But this is the phrase I want you to see in verse 23. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul got something that you and I have not received. If you read his letter to the Corinthians, he said that he had an out-of-body experience where he went to heaven in his soul. And he got to see things that God told him he was not permitted to share. I feel that way whenever I hear the question, what's heaven like? And you look in the Bible. I know my Bible pretty well. Last part of Isaiah, some parts of, of Revelation or pictures of heaven. There's a few other places but otherwise, I feel like God's told everybody they can't share too much. Some of you have read, read recently the, the, the popular book about what is heaven like, or what is it, 103 minutes in heaven, or whatever, 23 minutes in heaven. Paul got to see heaven. He tells us that in 1 Corinthians. When he says to the Philippians, I want to go to be with Christ, which is far better. That little word far means a lot to him. I don't know what heaven's like much more than you do. But I know it says in God's word that all of the many pains that I have in my soul or in my body will be gone as a gift. I know that it says there are no stressed, broken, or confusing relationships in heaven, that we're all one. I know that it says that we'll all, because he's supernatural, have a perfect, intimate relationship with Christ himself. So that Paul would say, I don't want to depart and be with my mom. He would say, I want to depart and be with Christ because every Christian will have that relationship with Jesus. Imagine someone whose love is so great to drive out all of your aloneness, 
all of your disappointment, all of your bitterness, all of your doubts and fears, whose strength is so great that all of your weaknesses fade, and you're drawing that 100% from him all the time. And so is everybody else that you're with. Imagine that going through your whole being. Far better than the greatest experience Paul had ever experienced. And this guy's got a troubled life, and yet he wants to stay, too. Think of your, your greatest experiences in life and imagine something far better. But remember, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. You won't earn it. It's always a gift in Christ. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to win the lottery? I know, some of you told me, if I win the lottery, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And many times it's very altruistic. I'm rather moved by what you would choose to do with it. But imagine, we imagine, if I won $10 million from the lottery, what do I do with it? But it's not long before we sort of like stop talking about it again because, frankly, we do not believe we're ever going to win. And I don't know anybody personally that's won big in the lottery, and I don't expect to ever win myself. I don't play it. (laughs) But in Christ, you really have won something that in your imagination is big like that, only a thousand times bigger. In fact, it's okay to keep dreaming about heaven, just like you do the lottery when you're feeling kind of down and then you go into that imaginary space, what it would be like to win, and you comfort yourself with the thought, Because you know if you buy a ticket, you've at least got a chance. And that gives you some kind of emotional release, even through the troubles of your life. But think of this. Heaven, through Jesus Christ, is meant to give you that kind of emotional release when you need it. You can check out any time from your troubles and imagine what it's going to really be like when you get to heaven. And you're not just fooling around and guessing. You really are going to be there. When Paul finished up his letter to the Philippians, he said, Whatever is lovely and of good report and noble and praiseworthy, meditate on those things instead of the bad things. Heaven with Christ is one of them that he did. The secrets to emotional happiness and stability are right there in the Word of God. It's okay to check out and take your time just dreaming about what it'll be like to be in heaven. But since you're not there, don't forget that you're still here with us and you can take the joy and the release and the freedom that you get and you can still do good work for other people. One of the greatest things that I got from the last conversation I had with Elaine was one word. I said to her, Elaine, I know you're in such suffering physically that I I worry that the devil would take your faith away at a loving God. And she said, never. Isn't that beautiful? That one word was fruitful labor from her lips to bless me and now to bless you. 
You have no idea how even the smallest things that you do from the hope you have in Christ when you know you cannot lose will bless other people. So while you wait to go to heaven, live like a person who's not losing either way. And just say, never will I give up on my Savior. Amen.